tweet from Connor Carrick, I think, made my week. Um, about about the eyebrows? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm surprised Lou <laughs> let him keep the eyebrows. That was, um, that made the yeah. whole thing a bit more yeah. easy to swallow. Yeah. I'm curious what you thought about the return, like, immediately. Like, I know, I know Paul Mary was not, not necessarily a surprise. Like, we all thought, you know, if, if he's not getting signed and it sounded like maybe he wasn't, mm-hmm. he was going. Zajac in particular, you know, was linked to the Islanders last year, but he decided not to waive. I don't know. Yeah. It, it kind of caught me off guard just because I figured, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could really see it this year. What were your, like, what was your immediate reaction? <clears throat> yeah. So, so, I mean, the first, I, I, I got the, uh, what is it, the app, uh, Trade Breakers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I got the Trade breakers app which for anybody that doesn't know it's just you know an app that sends you more spam than anything (laughs) all respect to the app creators but it it was designed to send you a notification whenever uh, an insider like pierre lebron uh elliot friedman Mm. of the like tweeted out information about a trade or a new contract signing i find that it's you know there's it's particularly helpful this time of year. Yes. Uh, with the trade deadline at the time that we're recording this, well, it's tomorrow, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So this is a rare Sunday edition of the show, and an even rarer morning edition of the show. Yeah. I'm still in my like sweats, my pajamas, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tomorrow at three p.m. I think. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, but of course, there's always, and I, I mean, this year could be the the exception but there's always like a backlog of trade of trades mm-hmm. so you start hearing about stuff even through like 5 p.m and i just picture this this poor like intern on the phone at the trade desk like desperately trying to get himself out of like being buried with paperwork at like 3 30 um but yes uh, trade deadline is officially tomorrow okay so my initial reaction i, I my initial reaction was twofold firstly it was for it was on one hand, it was, all right, don't really care about the return. You know, like, we just sent Paul Mary and Zajac away. Like, <laughs> whatever the return is, the return. It'll be whatever. I was bummed. I, I was bummed that Zajac was part of the deal. Just from the idea of the idea of him retiring as a full lifelong devil. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we've been thinking, we've been chatting uh, not necessarily on on the record for this, but you know we were thinking that if there was any team that Zajac would waive his no trade clause to go to, or what is it, no movement clause to go to, it would be the Islanders, mm-hmm. simply because the proximity, the, the geographic proximity, the Lou connection, and now also Andy Green playing there. Um, yeah, were you, but were you upset? Or surprised or excited about the return? Like what? Was... I was a little, I was a little surprised. More so, more so surprised that they actually traded Zajac. You know, because Paul Mary had been linked to the Islanders for quite some time. Uh, he seems like a very much quote Lou type guy, even though he never played with the Devils while Lou was in charge. But um, at the end of the day, it, it from what we're seeing with these returns, it's an awful trade market. <laughs> so the fact that Fitzgerald was able to squeeze out a first rounder. Just done. You know, that's like that's a, that's that is a success. Yeah, I remember 
talking to a few folks online the night of the trade and basically saying, I would be surprised if there was more than one other first round pick traded this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in my mind, I was thinking, oh, that would probably be Taylor Hall. Um, But apparently it's David Savard, who is a defenseman who has not been that good this year. Um, So I guess that's a bit of a surprise. But yeah, like I think... I don't know if this is way off base, Ian, but I feel like in any other year, this would be somewhat of a disappointing return, mm-hmm. especially because he retained salary on both. Yeah. And it's um, Paul Mary himself, you know, perpetual like 25 goal scorer. And then a guy in Travis Ajak that's probably worth more to the Devils than any other team just because of his role in the team and the fact that we have, we already had the youngest team in the league. And now it's just even worse. I, you would want more than just the first. Yeah, exactly. Prime example of a player being worth more to the team that he plays for than any kind of potential trade returns. But, I mean, if if this is... You know, we don't know what the future holds for Zajac. Like what Green, Green re-signed with the Islanders, right? Mm-hmm. So he was a UFA last year, and he re-signed him. Okay. If it's it, if this is it, I mean, it's a good situation for him to go to. Like we said, the connections, the proximity, but also the Islanders are looking like a very good team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for them. Yeah. And, you know, Fitzgerald comment about, uh, you know, hoping that this is the 32nd pick because he wants them to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the one hand, you know, that's a very nice thing to say. And I think part of him honestly believes that. And the other mm-hmm. part of him definitely does not believe that in the least. because <laughs> <laughs> You know, no. he's, he's still auditioning for his job, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I wish yeah, them it's, well, but yeah, you know, I I saw a lot of people were upset with that, and I I, I get it. I think it it goes a little bit too far. You know, you can just say like, all right, <laughs> you know, we wish the guys the best, but also at the same time, we're talking about again Travis Ajax, someone who's played over a thousand games. Yes. For the Devils, uh, and Kyle Palmieri, who has not been an insignificant co- uh, contributor. <laughs> In oh. his, what, six, five or six years here? I think it's five. And five, yeah, yeah. He's been basically one of the most consistent goal scorers in the league since mm-hmm. he got here. Um, yeah. So and, why I don't mind about that is yeah. that, like, profe- I mean, just from a sheer professional, like, professionalism standpoint, building relationships with the players, it's great. You know, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, genuinely it's, knowing that you want to wish these guys well. Yeah, and, and they know that, too, I'm sure. And like, even just the comments we heard about the Blake Coleman trade last year, where he basically f- phones Coleman and said, you know, you're going to go win the Cup, um, mm-hmm. which turned out to be true. But, like, that thinking of, like, I'm not just trading you for spare parts. Uh, you know, no, no disrespect to Wayne Simmons going to Buffalo. Um, this mm-hmm. is not that, right? This is, like, I'm putting you in, you know, the best position potentially to win. Because uh, mm-hmm. the Islanders definitely are a powerhouse. Um, man, you got to think that's that team is a bit of a house of cards, though, right? In terms of yeah. long term or even just medium term. The 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 average age of that team, I must be just off the charts. Yeah, I I have to think. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Check. Yeah, their average uh, age gonna... of the forwards is almost thirty. Defense almost twenty eight and goaltending over 30. I think the average age of the doubles <clears throat> forwards is like eight years less than the Islanders. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to... Well, 
shoot, this whole podcast is uh, speculating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it reminds me a lot of Lou's last days, not like directly right before he left, but part of that last almost era with him in, in New Jersey. Like mm-hmm. the Islanders, they haven't been, I don't know, they've been drafting okay like they haven't had much draft capital mm-hmm. they've got some young guys in wallstrom and dobson yes bold Bull, has been playing well for defense with uh bridgeport uh bodie wild is still a bit of a wild card so to speak uh, i'm not a coward i intend all of my puns <laughs> um so what i'm what i'm saying is that I uh, I think in a I, I'm completely agreeing with you in a regular environment a regular season I think we might have been able to pry one of those not yes. necessarily one of those top prospects but a prospect with a little bit more pizzazz like a Robin Sallow type mm-hmm. than you know because to me the, the the players in return in that in that pick in that trade were just they're going to be used to solidify AHL depth which is fine because yeah. Binghamton lost a ton of centers over the offseason with guys like Maltsev, Sharon Govich and McLeod making full-time you know getting full-time uh, on the big roster but sorry I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that the Islanders have an age limit yeah. They have a window that is open right now, and I think Lou recognizes that. So darn the future, whatever that may hold. I'm well, going to try and get the guys right now. Yeah. They're they're also right up against the contract limit. They have 49 mm-hmm. out of 50 contracts, so you, you just yeah. got to move bodies. Um, and I guess Fitzgerald took that opportunity to bolster Binghamton, a team that has been so exciting and or frustrating to watch mm-hmm. because the kids are really exciting. Like Graham Clark and Nolan Foote have some really good chemistry, but they always find ways to lose games, especially in overtime or the shootout. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday they were leading like yesterday, yeah. 3-2. Um, I think they went up. Like I, At some point they let three goals in a row, like uncontested, go in. They forced overtime with, like I think, two minutes left and, of course, just ended up losing. That's mm-hmm. just been the story. So, like, the talent's there, but the follow-through is yeah. maybe what you might expect for a really young team. So, yeah. Because you know, some... Jill Sen hasn't been playing poorly either. No, I'm, but they also have, like, probably the youngest defense in the entire AHL. So, mm-hmm. you know, things are going to be a bit hot and cold. It's just the idea of bolstering the AHL, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Especially... You know, when you know you're not going to get much else other than the pick. Like, the pick is the trade. Um, Yeah. I'm just looking at their draft history, too. Last year, they didn't have... Their first pick was in the third round. Yeah. They made five picks that year, five picks the year before. Um, Man, the Devils have, like, potentially tripled the amount of picks they've had in the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is... I mean, that tells you about where we are just in terms of differences in, you know, organizational life cycle, which is something we talk about a lot. But that's, you know, you're really betting on the present when you do that. 
Yep, and that's that's exactly. I mean, I can't, still can't believe Colorado got Devon Taves for two second rounders, but mm-hmm. we're the only pick that the Islanders have, or the earliest, excuse me, in this draft is that Colorado second, which is probably going to be, unless something disastrous happens for that team, like like they completely collapse on the ice. Um, it's going to be a very late second round pick. But yeah. what you know, what what we're saying is that th- the picks, the draft doesn't really matter at this point for them because they're in that window to compete now. Of course, you know, dynasties whatnot maintain mm-hmm. their dynastic control not just through. Um, oh shoot! It's been a while since I played Crusader Kings. Um, <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, yeah. the, the uh, arranged marriages with uh, you know families, royal families of other foreign kingdoms, but. Yeah. Uh, you have to keep drafting well no matter what. That game but, is basically an incest simulator. Yes, it and, is. And or infanticide. Mm-hmm. Probably the most in-depth game that I've ever seen, other than like Dwarf Fortress, if you've heard of that. Um, which is just... No, but it sounds amazing. It's the biggest time sink you'll ever hear. It's like... Um, have you heard of RimWorld? Yes, uh, I have. So RimWorld is uh, inspired by Dwarf Fortress, which is like 15 or 20 years old. It is RimWorld on drugs. Like, it is so deep and so obscure. The only problem is the graphics look like it was made on, like, a Commodore 64. You know, it's basically impossible to play without, you know, a 30-page manual. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, there, was a, uh, there was a board game. I still love playing it. Because um, I recently, back when we were living... Um, not where we're living now. Um, I found out that you can play it as a one-player game mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it, it's called Blackbeard. And so it's basically like... For me, it was just insanely complicated. And you're, you're uh, a pirate cat. You pick a random pirate ship. Mm-hmm. Start off with like a sloop or a schooner. And then you roll some dice. You set up merchant locations you set up fortress locations and then you just go to town all avoiding king's commissioners uh warships nice. so it the talk of very complicated games or complex excuse me yeah me very that when you talk about it or you try to describe it to people i can't help but feel like i feel like charlie from that meme from it's always sunny in Philadelphia with like the oh, yeah. you know the Pepe Silva all the, all the strings connecting <laughs> random disassociated yeah. pictures it's like it's it just trust me it's fun that's basically what it comes <laughs> down to man um i'm looking at yeah the islanders draft history their last first rounder too not a great player <laughs> necessarily simon holmstrom um mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting. Man, yeah. Talk about a team that's all in. Um, all in. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd consider it I'd consider it a win for the Devils just because they've got they now have an extra first round pick to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the most cap space in the league now. Uh, how many times have we had this conversation? Uh, yeah, but yeah. the expansion draft is coming up too. Yeah. So, 
yeah, there's going to be some interesting decisions to make there. And that's probably a discussion best left closer to. But yeah, I keep on forgetting that Seattle's coming next year. Like, I feel like I'm just getting used to Vegas at this point. Uh, yes, completely agreed. Um, love the logo. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Like, the... It kind of looks like Trogdor. Oh, that's, right? in, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to take another look. Seattle Kraken. Man, yeah, I actually really see that. That's interesting. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I don't mind the Kraken name. You know, I I, I also thought that uh, the Sockeyes would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of them. One of them they couldn't do because it was already uh, copyrighted by, uh, let's just say, a romance novel series, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so yeah, we'll talk about that when uh, when the expansion draft gets closer. But so trade deadline is tomorrow. Yes. Again, at the time of recording, Mark Savard, excuse me, David Savard. Um, just got traded for essentially money laundering yes. and uh, a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brandon Montour got traded by the Sabres to Florida for a third round pick. It seems very, I mean, at least on the surface level of that, um, it seems that there's a bit of a higher demand or a higher price tag for defensemen in the market so far. Like Toronto just got Riley Nash a center. Granted, he is injured right now. He's on injured reserve. Yes. But they got him for what a conditional seventh. Oh yeah, it was basically nothing. Yeah. yeah. Basically nothing, and the condition he plays, uh, it turns into a sixth in 2022. Right. It's mm-hmm. a 2022 pick. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. It turns to a sixth if Nash plays in 25% of all Toronto's playoff games. So the joke there is that he's only going to end up playing, he only needs to end up playing in one game. So, hardy har har. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. No, so what I'm getting at is like, we're going to see Kulikov moved, right? We've got two. Maybe three defensemen I could see getting traded. Definitely two. I don't know if Votnin has enough trade value at this point. Maybe a goalie gets moved. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, uh, Aaron Dell probably. Probably. Yeah. Although Scott Wedgwood is a Stanley Cup winner. Well, there's that, right? Yeah, that, that yeah. pedigree. You can't you can't buy that pedigree. Actually, you no. can from the Devils probably for, you know, a, a pittance, I guess. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> By the way, speaking now of... Now's the time to buy that pedigree. Yeah, seriously. Speaking of a pittance, um, next year we finally get the benefit of the pick we traded uh, Keith Kincaid for, mm. by the way. Love it. Uh, fifth round pick from Columbus yeah. in 2022. That that Love trade it. happened in 2019. Jeez. Um, yeah, that was a, a 15-year-old kid at the time. Yeah. 14 <laughs> or 15-year-old kid at the time got traded. Exactly. Um, Speaking of Kulikov, like the idea, if you had told me in whatever month it was that they signed him, because this year is just 
mind melter in terms of the timeline that mm. he would be a coveted trade deadline asset i i would have laughed you out of the room right like he's yeah he was a with all respect to him as a player kind of almost like an afterthought on the market like he was, was yeah not, he was a bit of a journeyman at that point yeah yeah journeyman that's a good that's a good way to put it like not not a hot commodity mm-hmm. um you know someone that could come in eat some minutes and hopefully be a good influence on the kids yeah he is right now if you go to natural stat trick uh the top he's right now top 40 amongst all defensemen with at least 100 minutes played and expected goals for percentage he's 40th above names like roman yossi romanov dumba damon severson john klingberg spurgeon bone byram slavin etc etc shay theodore like he is having he's having himself a year and like he thinks like okay given his reputation and his past you know x number of years of play like his body of work it's like that is a mid to late round pick right it's just he's a journeyman mm-hmm. defenseman you add um and that's just the way it goes like i think if you look at the David Savard trade, a first round pick based on his reputation from the past five years makes some sense. If you look at his play this season, it, it doesn't make sense. Like teams trade mm-hmm. based on reputation. Team like the, the league awards, uh, you know, the year end awards on reputation a lot of the time too. Uh, if if Kulikov's value at this trade deadline is based on reputation, you're looking at like I don't know. A fourth, a fifth, maybe. Probably a fourth, yeah. Uh, but based on his play on a really, to be honest, bad team this season, mm-hmm. um, eating hard minutes and being a really positive impact player, it, is it crazy to think that he's worth much more than that? Uh, you know, I'm trying not to get too excited because, you know... <laughs> But at the same time, no, I really don't think so. I really don't think it's it's uh, a lot or too much to think that. I mean, let's let's go over the checklist. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's playing a game that GMs kind of stumble over themselves <laughs> to get mm-hmm. when it comes by the deadline. He's a physical player, logging tough minutes, playing extremely well while on a dirt cheap contract. Yeah, that's the good All stuff. All those have the ingredients of success i i think you know let's be honest i don't i don't even know if we're going to see another first round pick thrown out no not even for taylor the the deadline maybe i mean if it's for taylor hall it's got to be like with the palmary trade it's got to be something else that right whatever team acquiring him has to pay uh, like i remember what merrick and Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman were talking about this, like the idea of how much money are you going to buy a first round pick with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is I, I think, I mean, a first is out of the question for Kulikov. I, I think I would be very pleasantly surprised if he trade he was traded and got a second round pick in return. Yeah, because I think like you said, three it's... second round picks is really interesting because, and I know we say this every year, and it it never happens, but 
but the idea of using that extra draft capital to to acquire like a an NHL ready player now or to move up in the in the draft like if you trade all three second rounders to get back into the first round mm-hmm. because it's a year where kids are under scouted and you think I could probably get a good player in the second and get extra value for moving back you know 20 or 30 spots yeah that's interesting yeah oh I'm, I'm I hate I, I don't mean to correct you Duncan but at this point we only have one second rounder so if we if we got a second rounder for Kulikov that would, that would make two. Oh, you're totally right you're totally right now of course if we get a second rounder for a retained Ryan Murray then you know mm-hmm. <laughs> no but um, exactly I mean it doesn't have to be we don't have to make the trade up I I don't know I think we, we were talking before about just the sheer number of players that have been drafted yes and I think I think we're in we're starting to get in that phase of the rebuild where like yes we already know that the foundation is set we've got jack we've got nico we've got blackwood ty smith is playing better than any of us hoped mm-hmm. for a rookie um we've got holtz and mercer on the way uh, we are hoping that shakir muhammadulin takes his time and turns into something good yes. um what I'm saying is that we've got plenty of quantity. There's just a few other areas that need to be addressed. And I think we could, how do I put this? It's, it, it's at the time now where you can turn that quantity, you know, that multitude of picks and trade up, you know, turn it into quality, get your guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for instance, there's a couple very, I mean, I'd say the two areas of need for the prospect pool, like organizational pipeline, would be in order, first and foremost, right right shot defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, because who do we have again? We've got Riley Walsh, who's looked very good for Binghamton. But Riley Walsh and Case McCarthy are the two young guys. Um, but the other position would be left wing like a top six scoring left winger. And there are a ton of those in this draft class. So get the picks, see what you can do. If, if, if you want to hold on to them to draft day and trade up, if you want to use them to try and target a player that could be on the outs with, with the team's cap situation or the expansion draft, maybe a guy like Jacob Vrana, maybe mm-hmm. I don't think Jake Bean is going to be available for Carolina, but you know, give them a call, (laughs) see what's up. But sorry, getting back to the point though, I, I would consider Kulikov getting a second round pick, a big win. Agreed. Yeah. And that's found money, right? Yeah. And this team is going to excel if they can find found money, Mm -hmm. which is a very strange way to say that. But you think about, okay, Jesper Bratt is the prime example that was, you know, beaten into the ground of like, this is a sixth round pick playing in the NHL as a teenager. Uh, that's found money. And we haven't necessarily been able to capitalize on that momentum quite yet. But those sorts of things add up, right? And you look at like Yanni Kokonen, for example, who was traded for like, what, five or six games of Sammy Vatanen, <laughs> who came back anyways. It's like, okay, him and Sharon Govich, who himself was a mid to late round pick, 
on a line with Jack Hughes is like, oh, that's that's our best line right now. And their average age is what, like 20? Uh, that's, that's found money. And so you start to have those things kind of add up. It's like, oh, Mackenzie Blackwood was a second round pick and he took his time in the AHL and all of a sudden when he's on, he's, he's a top whatever goalie in the league. Um, that's the sort of thing, like you said, you just need to go and get your guy because we're starting to add up those kind of small incremental wins that you hope once you start adding in those big pieces like your your Alexander Holtzes and, and Dawson Mercers, that's how you get your, your team. Um, yep. And then, you yeah. know, once once you're kind of ready, you sign a player or two in free agency, you don't do anything stupid, and you just let everyone grow together. And, you know, that's your shot. Uh, we're, we're getting closer to the point where I think we all thought we were at the beginning of last year, where it's like, okay, we have kids, um, and we're, we're getting close to making that move, like the P.K. Subban trade and Nikita Gusev, where it's like, we have our, our young core, and we're taking a jump. And that didn't really work last time. But think about like just the sheer amount of points this team scores just from rookies. It's like that's a much better indicator of our future worth than maybe it was two years ago, right? Because mm-hmm. two years ago we had, you know, uh, a rookie Jack Hughes. We had Nico Heischer. Uh, we thought Ty Smith would be coming sometime soon. But everything we thought could be coming is basically here right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it's. I think if you were a more cynical Devils fan that's been tired of the rebuild, you might say, like, this is the same stuff we've been promised for five years. But I feel like there's more evidence now that whatever is happening is working than there was even mm-hmm. two years ago. And Yeah, and, and uh, a couple quick notes there. Firstly, um, like... It's a real shame that it didn't work out, but I think the Gusev trade is was well worth the the experiment. Oh, a hundred percent. Same 100%. with PK. I would yeah. say, even though that PK's turned out. into a very serviceable defenseman. Agreed. Um, yeah. yeah, Gusev will find success where there's a system that doesn't require so much speed. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Florida is apparently in. Uh, I think Friedman reported that Florida's probably can. He's going to sign somewhere before the 3 p.m. deadline on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got. Yeah, we we know how good his his how well he sees the ice and whatnot is, but just insulate him and he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the idea of rebuild quote rebuilding a rebuild. Um, I don't. I'm torn on that because at the same time, look at the pieces that the team started with at each of those. You know, we're talking about found money. Like Again, the idea of getting a second or third round pick for Dmitry Kulikov is awesome, mm-hmm. but it's not as much of a, you know, we're not drowning in the middle of the ocean and that's a lifeboat, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't like getting a second and a fourth for, a UFA signing of Lee Stepniak back in 2016. <laughs> like there's, there's pieces and 
to me, the most promising thing about this season, you, you, you touched on it already, but it's just seeing the sheer number of young players that have stepped up into a consistent spot in the lineup. Like looking at our cat friendly right now, what is it? There's one, two, three, four players, four forwards, excuse me, four forwards who aren't on an entry level contract. That's crazy. On the active roster. Yeah. That is ridiculous. And over the next, you know, three years or so, when the team, when the forwards get more, when the forwards start to really come together, uh, I, I didn't even think it's going to be three years. I think I threw that out there because we're going to see a drastic change with the defensive core within the next two to three years or so yeah. with all the kids that have been playing and coming up. So that leads us to the question, Duncan. <laughs> What's the timeline on this team? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I know it's a very loaded question. <laughs> By the way, be- before I, I, I attempt to even answer that, yeah. Uh, yeah. this team has Damon Severson and Ty Smith locked up together for the next two seasons after this one for less than yeah. $5 million. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's like, that's the good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, I mean, and that certainly impacts timeline, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Man, like it's I, I feel like some of the important pieces are there. Like Jack this season has been incredible. I, I don't really care what the points uh total tells you. If you even just the eye test, you see him on the ice and you go, Okay, this is probably the best player on the ice for this team. Uh you know, he's been effective, he's been faster. The amount of even just shot assists he puts up, let alone his own shots, and somehow he continues to have the worst puck luck I've ever seen in my life. Um, Could you, you explain know, what a shot assist is, just to clarify too? Well, basically just setting up, a, you know, a line mate shot. Like you think about, tr- mm-hmm. it's it's a way to quantify how effective a playmaker is. You know, because sometimes you see a player. Um, who who doesn't put up a lot of goals and you go oh, okay like he's just a playmaker he doesn't shoot himself um, but he he dishes the puck and shot assist is basically just a way to quantify that to be like how many shots Good. from other players does he help generate um, okay Jack yeah just because um, I th- I think you know I I was aware but you know also we have got we've got some listeners who may not know um, and also stats in hockey are starting to move pretty quickly. Oh, it's insane. So, the amount of turns. I mean, shot assists have been around for a little bit, but, you know, every once in a while, you just like, what's X-V-I-C-F-H-D-I-M-I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shot yeah. assists, along with expected goals, are some of my favorite, like, metrics, just because if you haven't heard of them before, but you have them explained to you, it, it actually makes some intuitive mm-hmm. sense. You know, like a shot assist yeah. is like, oh, I gave you the puck in a position where you could actually shoot and have a scoring chance. And an expected goal is like, you you might have questions about how that's calculated, but if you preface it as like, you know, just as a fan watching the game for years, that not every shot is created equal. Like if you shoot it from the point without a screen, that puck is not going in, you know, just anecdotally, like 99% of the unless time. Unless you're Shea Weber. Or something. Unless you're Shea Weber and it's, you know, 200 miles an hour or whatever, but like, you can understand that concept, I think, pretty quickly. The the 
the devil's on the details, right? It's just like, okay, how do you actually qu- quantify it? How do you do the math? Exactly. You got to pan right to the camera when you, when you say that. Um, anyways, that's Jack Hughes, right? Like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the eye test matches those underlying metrics. 100%. This dude is producing a ton of offense. And if he just had a little bit of puck luck, he would have had, you know, 15 more assists on the season. <laughs> oh, and like five or 10 more goals too. Like, I'm yeah. surprised we haven't seen, like, you know, Damon Severson going down the tunnel the other night <laughs> yeah. to go destroy his stick because yeah. he missed Something that chance. Straight out of a major league. <laughs> that I think that chance came off of Jack Hughes' stick, right? He did that mm-hmm. kind of spin move at the, at the blue line. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Jack hasn't done that like 30 times this season already. Um, and I also love how Severson goes down the tunnel so he doesn't do it on camera. And you yeah. can still very clearly see him just like from the legs down, just destroy this thing. Um, but yeah. Very honorable move. Yeah. Yeah. You got, I mean, there are kids watching you. Yeah. You wouldn't want them to see violence. This is hockey. Yeah. It's like when, uh, when I forget what year it was, but Ichiro broke his bat out of frustration <laughs> right. and then sent a letter to the bat company apologizing. <laughs> got to keep that sponsorship money. Yeah. Um, got to keep respect exactly so like th- that's the sort of thing where it's like okay you can clearly see jack is is in it uh nico when he's on is in it like we've seen him he obviously still has room to grow but i mean basically every player on the roster does mm-hmm. ty smith is there severson's there mckenzie blackwood's there when he's on and he's not left completely out to dry those are building block pieces that we had been hoping would get to this level and they're they're basically there already, you know. And so when when you talk about timeline, it's like for the past four seasons, let's say, we've been looking ahead to when those specific parts have been really clicking. We're we're there or much much closer to there now. So what we're talking about isn't like hoping that those particular pieces work out. I mean, obviously, they need to keep up the pace and they need to improve and so forth. But we know the potential is there. It's a matter of adding to it, supporting to it, like supporting it, and uh, and mm-hmm. not making decisions that frustrate their development. Whether that's like taking up too much of the cap so you can't bring in the most effective players that would support them, uh, you know, burying them on the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so yeah, whatever the timeline is. It's less based on magic beans than it was. It's more based on how mm. do we cap, like how do we build on the stuff we know we have, which is much mm. more exciting. But of course, if yeah. you if you've been told like, oh, like it's coming, it's coming for like five five years or since twenty twelve, you're gonna have it's questions about three. that. You know exactly. It's it's coming. You know it can't not come right. Yeah. Um, so I completely understand the frustration. But yeah. I, I can't help but feel like it has to be different now, right? Just because the, the Oh boy, Duncan, that's uh <laughs> You know, but like the pieces are right in front of you. It's not I know, like, I know. But like that's a that's a if dumb we didn't thing have to the say. results. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, if we didn't have the results, that would be that would be the bargaining stage, right? Yeah. <laughs> it can't <laughs> it has to not be different happen, this time. Right? <laughs> Surely no, this I time the same thing will have different results, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um no, I, I completely agree with you. Like, we actually have the results in front of us. We, we see how these guys look. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy to, that Boquist is in the lineup. 
Because yes. I thought, I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season, I was thinking, like, man, this kid looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been yo-yoed a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, back and forth between you know, the big club and Binghamton. But I, I, I hope now, I mean, we especially see this with rebuilding teams after the deadline. You see what you have with these with these prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate that Vukojevic's, uh, Michael Vukojevic, I think his entry-level contract excuse me, doesn't start until next season. So he can't get called up. But yeah. uh, Nikita Ohachuk has been missing some time, I think with an injury. We don't know what it is. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. Um, yeah. But basically... He's on the we, taxi squad technically right now. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, as soon as he gets better, he's probably going to get in a game or two. Mm-hmm. We'll probably see Nolan Foot one one or two games i don't think we'll see graham clark um but I, I i see that this morning as the uh the the morning skate today marion studenich is on the ice um interesting so and for those wondering studenich was i want to say a fifth fifth round yeah fifth round pick from 2017 um he's been playing with binghamton He's one of our faster skaters in the organization. Oh yeah. I don't know if he's going to get any game time, but he's absurdly fast. He also went almost a calendar year without scoring, which was just mind-bending because he has a really <laughs> good shot and yeah. is completely snake bitten. But he's he's been much better recently. Yeah. Sometimes he'll he'll um, put on, shall we say, from what I've seen, some. I'm not trying to disparage the man's on ice character or anything but i will say that sometimes he will um add some slight theatrics to get a call uh-huh. <laughs> that's the right terminology to use yeah it's not it's not to the point well i'm not going to put names but it's not to the point of severity of an, a, a different devil's player that was on the ice does it uh, rhyme a few with years ago pandisi <laughs> Uh, I may or may not <laughs> think so. Yes, <laughs> but most importantly, he brings speed. But like the, the the thing is that you know you don't know if these kids are going to turn into anything, and that goes back to you know we have the results in front of us. Mm-hmm. We've got Kuokinen putting up, was it the equivalent of a fifty point season? Sharon Govich is scoring at just over a projected twenty goal rate per season. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesper Brett is still only twenty two. Like that's that blows my mind it just but, feels like he's been around forever right because he, i guess he has because yeah. you know he's off his elc at this point but yeah that's a real shock just because you know it it feels like he's a i mean maybe he is a veteran i don't know i don't know what's considered a veteran anymore apparently jack hughes talks like a veteran after yeah. a, a single year in the league but he's got the you know the swagger to back it up yeah and uh that that recent 31 thoughts podcast with uh friedman and, and jeff merrick uh they had they had ty smith on the show and mm-hmm. they were talking to him about how he would talk to uh general manager of the spokane chiefs uh, and podcast guest friend of the show uh scott carter mm-hmm. about tra- moves uh players that he was you know targeting and whatnot he smith joked and he said he'd never do that with smith but <laughs> But you've got a lot of guys with leadership experience and, you know, seem like likable, likable guys, too, in the locker room. Yeah. Well, so, Smith was, like, in his draft year, right? Um, he was the guy P- 
people mention time and time again after the question of like if you could bring someone with you to your drafted team who would it be it yeah. was it was always ty smith and yeah even jack hughes who i don't quite see in the same way like he seems to exude a, a slightly different kind of confidence than mm -hmm. a guy like ty smith yeah but you think about his behavior on his draft night like he gets drafted first overall that's a dream come true the amount of effort he put in to constantly seeing everyone from his team like the the, the national yeah. program be drafted was just really cool to see because he's like i really just want to see where my friends are going I thought that was cool, too. And like, that's more evidence of, I would say, mm -hmm. leadership. And also, I mean, this is also a, another anecdotal. I mean, that's all this. Uh, I mean, there's there's no way to really quantify leadership. Maybe there is. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe number of championships won, but that's a different point. Um, you look at a guy like Patrick Moynihan as well. He's not on the roster yet. He was Tice Thompson's teammate and also line mate with Providence. Not consistent line mates, but they did play on a line pretty often, which was really fun. Um, Jack Hughes name dropped him specifically. We all, we, uh, most of us, if not all of us, saw the clip of him. You guys like Moynihan? Yeah, I like him too. Um, he seems like he, Moynihan took a lot of pretty, uh, pretty bad hits at the World Juniors, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember seeing the the USA bench react to those hits particularly for Moynihan because you know there were other guys that got hit as well but I mean when it was Moynihan they looked like they just wanted to all jump out onto the ice <laughs> so I don't know I mean we're not we're not looking to build like a group of friends or whatever but you know as long as these guys like and trust each other in the locker room on the ice um but yeah, I mean, if I, if they don't hang out with each other, Ian, how are they going to invite me to go hang out with all of them? You know, so oh they kind of do yeah. need to be friends to a certain degree. <laughs> we need that in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a commute from Toronto, but uh, you know, I I can make exceptions. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Or at least, uh, shoot, what's that Irish restaurant right by, right by the Hockey Hall of Fame? Oh gosh, there's like 50 of them. Yeah, there was, yeah. Something like the Irish Embassy or something. Yeah, I mean, they could always Skype me in, I guess. Yeah, I, I could, yeah. join by Zoom. <laughs> um, what what would you say about timeline? Because that, that is a tough question. Oh yeah, we're talking about timeline, that's yeah. right. Um, so I'm going to do a potential hot take here. Um, and I will say that this season was both a positive was a mirage not in the sense that the young guys aren't playing and not performing uh, performing i mean it from the sense of i think i mean we said how many times have we heard this is definitely a cliche i gotta put some money in the jar or something but the team is clearly better than their record indicates clearly um i think covid wrecked wrecked the team in terms of i mean for, for example like jack hughes is still he's playing out of his mind mm -hmm. incredibly good hockey but also you've got if you got covid chances are you're going to be sitting in bed for a week you know yeah yeah i, I can't say <laughs> yeah i yeah that was me <laughs> that was me um and i am no professional athlete i lost a lot of strength i mm -hmm. lost a lot of my strength i lost a, a decent amount of weight um, so I, I just think for a guy, I, I pr 
I'm specifically mentioning Hughes because it was a big deal when he added all that muscle in the offseason. You know, that's that's got to be tough. That's got to be tough because you, again, different. everybody's got different body compositions and whatnot. But he, you know, he could have lost a lot of that weight during that downtime. And moving on from just Jack, I mean, this team has had what? One period since coming back from COVID where they've had two days off between games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, combine that with the fact that, generally speaking, the East Division is extremely strong. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you've got other... I mean, the Central is also very impressive with Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. But the East, you've got a bunch of different contenders fighting for that that fourth spot. I mean, you've got uh, clearly the Capitals and the Islanders. Pittsburgh has been very good. Boston is... Boston. The other you know, Boston. Competitive. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Boston, really. Like they're always, they're always competitive. They could be doing better. We'll see. I don't know. I, they might, I could see them trading for Hall, but who knows? Um, and you've got Philly, um, and Philly's kind of fluttering and faltering a bit. And, you know, the Rangers haven't been bad this year. They've been, they've been pretty good this year too. Um, so what I'm saying is like it seems like every other day the Devils are playing one of the Capitals, the Islanders, the Penguins, or the Bruins. I am very thankful <laughs> that we don't have to see the, the Capitals anymore. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, speaking of bargaining and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. I just think that the schedule having to play the same teams in your division all season has definitely hurt because there are a bunch of really good teams in this division. And like, yeah, how much better would would the team be if or in, in the standings if they actually beat Buffalo? Like what, four of Buffalo's nine wins this year have come against the Devils? Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. So what I what I'm saying is that I think in terms of timeline, we're gonna get Right now we're what sitting at what seventh overall, sixth overall, or seventh overall draft pick. Yes, I I, I can never remember if that counts Seattle or not because they get third. They get th- the odds for third, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm gonna assume that I mean, there's what like a there's a point zero two percent chance of this happening. I just I just want to throw this out there too, like there's a genuinely the funniest possible result mm-hmm. of the uh lot draft lottery would be the devils winning second overall mm-hmm. which they have a 15.3 percent chance to do right now i mean a tankathon is pretty fun you know especially when the team's oh, yeah. in the crapper right now exactly. but, um, so 15.3 percent chance at top two and if arizona yes yes wins the first overall the 1.5 percent chance i was gonna go there if you didn't ian the genuinely funniest 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 most chaotic result and we don't know exactly how they're going to handle this right i, I can't yeah. remember the last time i mean it might have been the devils the last time a first round pick was forfeited mm-hmm. um but i think it, so yeah if they are don't cheat kids if <laughs> and more importantly than that don't get caught don't get caught yeah that's, that's yeah. much more important um yeah if they are included in the draw just 
I don't know, for reasons. Like, I'm not sure where they're leaning. Them winning would just be the icing on the cake because yeah. the the schadenfreude last season with the whole, like, Ottawa-San Jose thing oh, was, was good enough. Yeah. This is just even more because it's not even like... I mean, people benefit because whoever's second, you know, obviously mm-hmm. bumps up just on a practical basis. But the idea that, like, the general manager who was in charge of this scandal who left the team in kind of dire straits and isn't there to suffer the consequences has screwed mm. you to that degree that it's a first overall pick is just yeah. it's too much i that might be too much even for me that's that that's i mean that's really harsh yeah <laughs> it would still be really funny so w- sorry what i'm getting at is that i really don't think there's many people in the draft class, at least where we're projected to pick, that could really step into the NHL right away, especially with those defensemen. Like, I want Hughes to go play at least a year in Michigan. Yes. Um, Owen Power, he could, he could, for all intents and purposes, a team might rush him into the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I want him to play another year at Michigan. Edmondson, he needs some more time. Clark is probably the closest. But he'll he'll need a year, I think. Mm-hmm. All the, all those guys need a year. The one the closest one that I could see would be Matthew Beniers, and I don't think the Devils are going to pick him just because he's going to go very high because he's a pure center. It seems um, like a Detroit kind of pick. It seems like a very much Detroit or maybe Ottawa. Yeah. Unless Ottawa punts the next year and tries to get one of, oh gosh, Shane Wright. The, I'm sorry, Shane Wright. Yeah, one of Shane Wright. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Savoy or Savoy, or what's his name, Brad Lambert, oh, one gosh, of just yeah. very high-ranking centers for the next draft. Um, maybe Dylan Gunther can step in right away. Basically, this is going to be a big. It's going to be a big season of difference. Um, I think, in terms of an actual timeline, I think we're going to be on the bubble next year. I think we're going to huh. just miss. Yeah. Now, of course, we'll we'll revisit this in the off season after all the moves have been made. But that's my gut feeling right now, where the team is. Now, if we can bring in someone uh, to put on Jack Hughes's wing, who can actually score goals, maybe somebody from Sweden and a recent top ten pick, um, whose team just got eliminated from the playoffs. Who knows? No. Um, or maybe maybe a certain player from the QMJHL that is. Hails from Bay Roberts, Newfoundland. Tearing it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah. By the way, I've never seen Devils fans root against their own prospects team as much as I have in oh, the past couple was, weeks yeah. with Holtz. It's been a, just a treat to watch. Yeah. Uh, apparently news uh, news from that team, uh, your gardens, apparently they got rid of the head coach. Oh. Uh, and some sources are saying that they are looking to hire Tommy Alblin, longtime devil, Tommy wow. Alblin for the new head coach position. Nothing is, uh, that's just a little bit of Swedish hockey league news. I'm Nothing not, is I'm not too surprised stone, about that firing, to be honest. That was not a, not uh, a cohesive uh, yeah. team this year. Let's say you put Holtz on what line? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, that's uh, real quick. That's another quick side note. We can talk about this at another point. I genuinely, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get an interview like this, but I would love to talk to a European pro league 
maybe manager, mm-hmm. maybe head coach, mm-hmm. because at what point, like these pro leagues are not development leagues. They're not. You no. focus more. The, the point is to win. The point is to win the championship. Um, like any league you want to win, like junior Canadian juniors or whatnot, but it's more so of a developmental league. At what point do you say, all right, this kid was a top 15 pick. Um, he's probably going to sign with his NHL team when our season's over. How do you, I mean, basically the question that I try to ask our CHL uh, guests, like how do you balance the development of this, this, this player and also winning as a team? Because it, there's especially that added element of, like, he's going to leave the continent. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how much do you invest in an asset that is going to be leaving you in probably two seasons max? Yeah. It kind of makes sense to put the effort in the players that are going to stick around. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to say sound it so blunt. I don't. I think this is a bit too blunt to say it, but at some point, like you said, I mean, they don't, I mean, some, some, some teams, this is purely speculation, of mm-hmm. course, just to clearly, clearly spell it out. But some teams don't really have an incentive to develop the guys now, mm-hmm. you know, because they're NHL picks. They're probably heading over. We need to win now because also funding in those leagues is a little bit more difficult to find. Yeah, and like- there's also relegation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The risk of relegation. Yeah. I remember watching a video with the Jurgarden GM after Holtz was drafted. And uh, there was this really great video series of Holtz and Raymond over the the course of their draft year. Just about what the process was like and and a little Mm -hmm. bit of what it was like just to, you know, to talk to scouts, the media attention, the world juniors, etc. He's wearing 10 when he comes across, right? uh, Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing 10. I think that's... 88 would have looked really sharp. It but. would have looked nice. Um, the GM was really candid in his interview to say, like, it's actually mm-hmm. like a huge pain in the ass to have a top 10 NHL pick on your team because not only is it hard for these teenagers to adjust to the SHL in general, the level of expectation on them is also much higher. And they don't only have to focus on the SHL they're being sent like questionnaires by NHL teams all the time. Mm. They're being interviewed by scouts. They have media. They're at the world juniors. It's like impossible just to focus on the game. And that's not even considering the fact that they're going to be leaving probably in two years, max. Um, I, I kind of get it. Like it's, it's tough because as a manager, you want your team to be focused on, on this Mm -hmm. and Holtz and Philliam Eklund and, uh, Raymond's, they don't have that luxury, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's just tougher for them, and it's tough for the teams. So um, we actually have some contacts overseas, Ian, for for GMs. I remember Do we? We, we chatted with yes. um, Nicholas Pearson. From oh, that's right. For yeah. the passage story, um, it'll be interesting to get his his insight on, especially mm-hmm. because passage like his his ranking as a prospect is with all due respect, lower than Holtz's. So yeah. it's not like we'd be asking in like an accusatory way of like, why aren't you playing Holtz more? It's like, what what is it like to to balance those two things? 
mm-hmm. without that level of pressure of a top 10 pick. You know, Passage was a seventh round pick. Yeah. It'd be interesting. And I mean, I'm looking at his, I can't, re- I couldn't remember the specifics, but Passage has also been playing with Linkoping at the SHL for at least a couple games a season. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, this year was the first full-time season for him. Played a couple games in 2018, 2019, and also 27, 2018. Yeah. So. Actually, I think we also of, yeah. we also know Etupakala's GM as well. Uh, oh, that's right. Finland, so that could be interesting. So yeah, no, there's definitely a different um, a different formula. Yeah. I guess for back, lack of a better word, or a different context for these later round picks that aren't really under the pressure to go over right away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd say that. Yeah. I, I'm excited by your by your faith in this team, Ian. Like I know if, if anyone doubted that we were kind of eternal optimists after yeah, the last that, episode, then yeah, you know, right. we're, we're squarely Swinging in that territory. Right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will also say this, uh Andreas Janssen's underlying numbers are very good. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> I can't imagine his there. his level of frustration. Not only just mm-hmm. in terms of being snake bitten. And mm-hmm. and honestly struggling at in stretches, um, but going mm-hmm. from the team that's currently first in the NHL to a struggling Devils team is yeah that's tough, you know that's yeah that's tough especially when the Devils organization but... gave him the worst concussion of his life in the AHL playoffs. Oh God, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. I I remember that one. That was yeah brutal. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, those those are some really um, interesting playoff series. <laughs> um, development camp is going to be very interesting this year. Uh, excuse me. Well, yes, development camp, but also training camp because we're looking at like who are the right wings on this team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Brat and Johnson can play on the the right wings. Yeah, I, I like him a little better at the left wing, but. Uh, we've got what Tice Thompson, Sharon Govich, and then a whole slew of people fighting for those spots. Yeah, yeah, it's so gonna be. We're a gonna have Holtz, Mercer, pass. Graham Clark. Jeez, I don't think it's out of the possibility that two of them make the team. Now, of course, I mean, we probably shouldn't talk about this just because it's way down the line. <laughs> but I think it's part of my. Shit, I have to be optimistic. <laughs> you know, I yeah. have to be optimistic. Oh, for sure. That's what the else? only reason why we'd survive the past yeah, what, exactly. nine years. Hopeless, eternal optimism. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. All the, especially if we look at the, the, the game immediately after the Zajac and Palmieri trade, that's a really deflating trade, mm-hmm. uh, demoralizing. And it further emphasizes the message that's already been there this season of, all right, kids, I mean, kids, you know, they're like 20, 25 year old, you know what I mean? Like, all right, guys, you know, the youngins need to step it up. And near, just about all of them had a really strong game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think, you know, the pieces are there moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I been... would very much like to see Nico get some games in oh, maybe this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. Um, I, I should take a step back. I've been 
somewhat obsessed with playing chess over the past couple of months because yeah. it's COVID. Uh, the region I've been living in has been in basically total lockdown, like a stay-at-home order since mostly mm-hmm. November. Uh, it's just been, you know, there's yeah. nothing to do. And I used to play when I was in law school, and it was just a stress relief thing. Mm-hmm. And in the fall, the show came out called The Queen's Gambit, um, yeah. which was really fun to watch on Netflix. It was a great show. And so I've just been playing tons of this because it's so quick and so easy just to jump on a Mm -hmm. game and get destroyed um and i've been thinking about the idea of a gambit like do you know like what a gambit is in terms of chess ian um it is isn't it like a like a calculated sacrifice exactly yeah like you give up material like a piece now in order to get a better position so that over time you you can use that position like a positional advantage to, to beat your opponent but it involves the sacrifice you know right up front and i keep on thinking about like the, especially this palmieri move just because you know moving taylor hall uh you know we didn't think he was going to be around like i think i feel like we had more of a buffer when we lost Taylor Hall than we do right now in losing Palmieri, just in terms of veteran talent. Like this is really cutting it pretty lean in terms of veteran talent. Um, we can uh, see that yeah. <laughs> through, through the average age of the team. It's like, it's, it's crazy. And I, if you think about it as more of a gambit where it's like, okay, we give up the material. Now we get, um, you know, material like future value in this draft pick, but also the pressure and the space that gets opened up for these prospects. Mm-hmm. You're really just hoping that over time you can take advantage of those two things to, to get yourself over the hump, even in a better position than you would have been had you not given Paul Mary out. And that's been kind oh, of yeah. helping mean, me, you know, yeah. like it's, it sucks. Um, and obviously that's, that's not like, that's somewhat of a, a simple or obvious way to think about it but when you really focus on like the why it's like i especially like like you said the fact that the kids really did step up in the game immediately after it happened like that's the response you want like that's mm-hmm. the fight you want for the rest of the season and you know it can't always be against buffalo like we can't always play buffalo and you know not even that we beat them every time cuz like you said We've given them what half I don't of their like wins. Our games against Buffalo. I, I can't stand our games against Buffalo. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but that's a, that's a separate point. It's just yeah, it's a calculated move. It's a painful move, but I have to I have to believe that it's that there's purpose there, you know. Otherwise, mm. it's just it's part of it's it's just too difficult. But I can see the pieces or the value that it's going to add, even just over the next you know, a couple of months just as the kids try to fill that void. Yeah, completely agreed. And, and you've got guys like, you know, whether or not, who knows what will actually happen. That's a bit of a cop-out. But, you know, guys like, I'm looking at specifically at guys like Bokvist and Thompson and maybe even Zaka to an extent. But Zaka's been putting up numbers, mm-hmm. whether or not his underlings are conducive for that. But that doesn't matter. He's been producing for lack, for better or worse. Um yeah. But I'm looking at a guy like Bokefist and Thompson, who, more so for Bokefist than anything, I, I know they're still young, but and it's clear that Thompson needs some AHL seasoning. I, I, I think. Yeah. 
Um, but there's that element of like, okay, the time is now. Yeah. Uh, the Alice in Wonderland. The time has come. Um, what do you belong in? The, are you able to play yourself into consideration for this team's future? Yeah. And, and I think it's going to be more cutthroat than ever. Oh, yeah. Next like, year, within the next two a year and a half or so. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier, Ian, like the, the sheer amount of draft picks that this team has made or prospects that they've yeah. traded for. At a certain point, you know, they have to step up or or their place in this team's future becomes much less clear, right? Yeah. Like, especially a guy like Boakfist who has been kind of on the bubble for basically two seasons now. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if, if you can't stick it now, there are guys behind you that are hitting the time where like they can step up now. And mm-hmm. not only are you just competing against people on the roster now, there are three people behind you that are just really you know, knocking on the door. So for sure, yeah, that there's a time where you really need to... Um, what's, what's the phrase? Piss or get off the pot? Yeah. Yeah. And that's especially, I mean, especially prevalent with, uh, relevant with another, and he's, he's listed as a center, but he's also, we've talked about him already. He, I see him more as a right winger, uh, Moynihan, mm-hmm. he's going to need what, maybe one, one more year at Providence. Yeah. And then he's going to be competing for a lineup spot. Yeah. So it's both very promising and it's very promising, but it's crunch time, you know, cause the talent, the talent is coming over. Yeah. We've got a, the foundation, but the the rest of the parts are coming over or yeah. coming up, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I've probably got to wrap this up soon, Ian, but I, that's I think that's a, an interesting point to kind of end on. And it relates to something I think we talked about after the PK trade and like this, the Gusev thing. Mm-hmm. It's like for us especially as people interested in the draft and prospects and like future value when the team sucks it it sucks perhaps a little less for us because we get excited by this other stuff but at a certain point when you get to that 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 point in time where you you do need to kind of piss or get off the pot things get Mm -hmm. a bit more stressful or real because it's like okay the stuff we've been excited about that's coming that future value this is where we decide if that's real or not, you know? And yeah. it's, it's, it's so exciting to be there because, you know, it's, it's a real like crucible. It's like a, it's a real litmus test to see like, is this, is this happening or not? And it's a really mm-hmm. good problem to have the fact that we have so many people knocking on the door. Like I think about, you know, even just what Michael McLeod has done this season, I think it's been really impressive uh, cementing his spot on the fourth line. You know, it hasn't really been a question of him coming out, at least recently. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like, a player that has been so maligned or criticized by the fan base because he hasn't become, you know, what his ceiling kind of projected him to be. But he's found a way to stick. Um, yeah. We're gonna hey, ha- by the way, did you read that interesting article from uh, CJ on uh, Todd Cordell's site oh yeah yeah i did yeah Yeah. we could talk about that later interesting yeah (laughs) but yeah no you're exactly right i mean i'll be i'll be honest too you know i love the draft i mean i'm Mm -hmm. you know i'm working as you know talent evaluation Mm -hmm. like they're it's fun it's it's fun to watch they're 
these we've mentioned it before these players are you know the the very concept of the draft and prospects it's the embodiment of optimism yes it's hope for a franchise you know as, as dorky as that may sound but i <laughs> i'll just say it I, I i want them to play well enough so i don't have a job so to speak <laughs> i don't i'm not employed by the devils but you know what i mean like i, I want them to play well enough so we don't even like <laughs> We're going on a deep playoff running and shut up about the draft. No, no it's like, yeah, exactly. You know? Like I don't want when I type yeah. the letter T into my web browser for Tankathon to be one of the first three oh, things God. that pops up. Right. That's yeah. the sort of thing. Yep. Right yeah. 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 I think that's, that's completely fair. And I think that's where, you know, that's, that's part of what brought you and I together, Ian, is, is that kind of shared mm -hmm. excitement or hope or optimism. But I, I can't help but feel that this year in particular is like the apex of that because mm -hmm. it's it's the leanest team we've ever seen in terms of just raw talent or age um, and veteran talent, I, I should say. So there's more space than ever for these kids to make it, but there's also more of them than there were five years ago. Like there's actually yeah. a prospect pool and there's actually multiple kids at each position knocking at the door. So mm -hmm. like this is this is the good stuff. It's it's also very stressful. I'm kind of sweating just thinking about it. But like you said, next training camp is going to be really interesting. Really, and interesting. that's not even thinking about if we if if they make any moves to bring anybody in in the oh, offseason. Exactly. Exactly. Which yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So like it's interesting time. Uh, yeah. Interesting time to be a Devils fan, especially if you're into whole prospects thing i mean i don't know how you survived as a devil's fan for the past you know eight years if you weren't at least somewhat in the prospects because there was not a whole lot else uh going on but yeah it's it's been an interesting ride but i can't help but feel that you know we're close to things turning mm -hmm. for me it's the, the fact that we've had so much production from the guy the under 23 guys yeah and that would be even higher if nico was in yeah, I keep on forgetting that he's played what, like five games? Yeah. Or parts of five, five games. I think. Yeah. But yeah, so it's not the fact that it's just in theory, it's the the idea that, you know, we're actually seeing them produce and contribute. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So lots to look forward to. Um yeah, I hope everyone enjoys the trade deadline tomorrow and or today, depending on how quickly I get this thing out. Um, but yeah, as always, Ian, always good to chat and thank you everyone for, for taking the time to hang out with us. We'll, um, yeah, we'll try to do this again soon. Yeah, always a pleasure, Duncan. 